Uh, I am in the middle of a series today that's called The Prayer Request of Jesus. And uh, I found that in Scripture there's four places where Jesus asks us to pray for. He actually makes a prayer request. And um, before I go any further, would you welcome everybody watching online? We welcome you today. So glad that you're joining us. See, I broke my routine. I broke my routine. But if Jesus asks us to pray for something, that tells me a couple of things. First of all, there's a need. There's something that Jesus thinks that's important enough to ask us to pray for. And then that tells me something else. There's help. That when I pray what Jesus asks me to pray for in his name, in faith, I can expect heaven to help me. That's a pretty good deal, right? That's a win-win. And last week we looked at the prayer of perseverance, that Jesus asked us to pray for strength, to make it, to, to be able to go through everything that's happening in these end times so we can stand before him. And I hope you felt that strength this week. I hope you've been praying that for yourself. It's okay to pray for yourself and pray that God gives you strength, perseverance. So we prayed perseverance uh, for love. How many of you know it's, sometimes it's hard to love folks? We've got to stay in love. We prayed for perseverance with our faith, perseverance with our convictions. We cannot quit being a people that strives to please the Lord. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what culture throws at you. Our goal is to please God above everyone else. Amen? And we want to persevere with our purpose, what God has told us to do. So today's text, this takes place the night before Jesus was crucified, and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says, to pray, and he took his disciples with him, and he asked them just this one thing, hey, watch and pray, watch with me and pray. And he went a little further to pray, and he came back, and it picks up in Matthew 26, verse 40, it says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Now, how encouraging for Jesus. Facing, the Bible says that he was actually so sorrowful that his sweat looked like drops of blood. He was, he was fixing to take on the sin of mankind. He knew that his communion with his father would be broken for a brief time as he took on sin. And so he was really needing someone to be there with him. And he takes his disciples, asks them to pray. He comes back. And finds them sleeping. But the, the scripture teaches us, and I'm fixing to read it, that he wasn't really even asking them to pray for himself, for him. He, he had it covered. <laughs> he was asking them to pray for themselves. So it says, when he returned, he found them asleep. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Verse 41 tells us the reason why he asked them to pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you would think the disciples feeling a little scolded would have got up and sort of threw some water in their face and stood up. Uh, Jesus, the scripture says he went away after he gave them this scolding a little bit. And he comes back again. He finds them asleep again. He goes away again, comes back a third time, and finds them still sleeping. Doesn't that make you feel better about yourself? I mean, as followers of Christ, 
Don't we just drop the ball sometimes? And it's true for all of us. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, it's weak when it comes to spiritual matters. But it's sure strong when it comes to fleshly matters. Every one of us knows that the needs and desires of our spirit can sometimes be overwhelmed by the desires of the flesh. So we need to pray. And the instruction is here, uh, here is for us to pray so that we will not fall into temptation. Remember, if Jesus thinks it's important enough to request a prayer for it, it's important enough for us to do it. So today, I want to talk about it. The title is uh, it's titled, Pray Against Temptation. Would you bow your head? Thank you, Lord. Today, this is a wonderful day to be in your house. Thank you for bringing, Lord, us together for this time to receive from you. We are here. We are, our eyes are open. Our ears are open. Our hearts are receptive. Lord, do a work in us. Would you pray it with me, church? Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Temptation, temptation, that desire to do something especially wrong. And when somebody tells you not to do it, that's what you want to do, ain't it? If you are tempted to sin, raise your hand. <laughs> that should be everybody in this house. The only people that did not have to raise their hand then, if, if you didn't raise your hand, you must either be dead, paralyzed, or you do nothing but sin and you don't even need temptation. We're all tempted to sin. So there's a few things that I want to define temptation as, and if you're taking notes, the first one is this. Temptation is a doorway. Temptation is a doorway. It's a doorway to sin. Being tempted is not a sin. You are going to be tempted. Every one of us are, are going to be tempted. But temptation has to be dealt with. It is a doorway to sin. It's when we give into that temptation is when it becomes sin. And even though it's not a sin, temptation is not a sin, it's nothing to play with. What happens many times, though, we try to get as close to sin as we can be without giving in to sin. And then we find that we have stepped too far through that door. This is, listen to this statement. If you hold temptation's hand, sin will wrap its arm around you. Cain was Adam and Eve's first child, and this is what God warned him about temptation. Genesis 4, 7. God said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door it desires to have you but you must rule over it another translation says but you must master it and so true for every one of us sin is crouching at your door and temptation is the doorway to get to it and and satan is giving you temptation just to get you to walk through that door you have to master it you have to be aware of it. You have to conquer it. 
Cain unfortunately walked through that door and ended up killing his brother Abel. Being tempted is not a sin, but you better not stay around. You better not stay around it. It'll pull you in. Good place for a little joke right here. A man who needed to lose a few pounds told his wife that he was cutting out eating his daily donut. And sure enough, only two days later, he came home with a donut. And when she asked him about breaking his commitment, he said, well... This donut is different. He said, the, God wanted me to have this donut. <laughs> the wife said, what makes you think that? The husband said, well, when I drove by the donut shop, I prayed, Lord, if you want me to have a donut today, let there be a parking place right in front. And can you believe it? that there was a parking place right in front on my 11th time around the building. <laughs> and ain't that what we do with temptation? We just stay around it and we play with it. And we know we need to be, get away from it. So temptation is a doorway. Temptation number two can be different. It can be different. Now, there are some things that are the same that we're all tempted by. The Bible describes that there are sins of the flesh. And it lists three. There's the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life, and there's, there's the lust of the flesh. Uh, there are some things that, that are common to all of us. But there are some things that may tempt you that may not tempt me. You know, I have never been tempted to rob a bank. Never. But if times got hard and I was hungry, don't put me in a KFC when that chick is coming out of the grease. I'll lobble get a plastic knife and hold a three-piece hostage. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that may not be a temptation to you. Some temptations are, are based on our previous experience with sin and may start out with just a a cigarette, then it may move to a joint, but then it may end up in crack. And you that have struggled with that kind of addiction, you know it started somewhere. The alcoholic, it started with the first sip. And so that temptation grows uh, as time, as you give into it. Now some temptations are based on just Satan's, Satan's observance of you i'm a firm believer that satan has demons assigned to us that watch our life i believe the bible refers to them when it talks about familiar spirits that they watch you they know what uh it makes you tick they know what makes you talk too i mean they know they know what gets at you they know what your temptations are satan will customize temptations to fit your every desire, won't he? The good news is that we have a Savior that knows what, it likes, what it's like to be tempted, the Bible says. And he did not sin. He overcame temptation so you and I can overcome temptation also. He knows how hard it is, and the Bible says that he is our high priest, one that intercedes for us. Isn't that good news today? And Hebrews says this, 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He knows what you're facing. He knows the vices. He understands what you're going through. And he is your intercessor. He died not only so your sins can be forgiven, he rose to life again so you can overcome sin. Isn't that great? We don't have to give in. We don't have to be a slave to sin. The third thing about temptation is this. It's deceptive. It's deceptive. I have some help. Uh, thank you, Terry. I, I told him to. Uh, my, my sweet wife bought me this last year, and I haven't used it yet. Thank you, man. And look, Terry, I told him to stay close just in case I hurt somebody or hurt myself. So I left the tag on it because if it don't catch no fish, I'm taking it back. <laughs> Walmart will take anything back. But when I was thinking about temptation and how deceptive it is, I thought about fishing. How many fishermen do we have in the house? How many fish catchers do we have in the house? <laughs> fisher ladies, I guess that could be appropriate. Yeah, fisher ladies too. How many of you can actually catch some fish? Okay, I'm, I'm just now learning about fishing. I, I, I was brought up cane pole fishing where we just caught whatever was biting. I don't know how it is to intentionally fish for something. I just want something to bite. But when I thought about temptation, I thought about how deceptive it is. Hear me. The temptation is the bait. You don't understand. The fish doesn't understand. If the fish understood that with their, that bait, there is a hook attached. If they knew the hook was attached, they would never take the bait. And it, when it comes to temptation, you must understand there is always a hook attached. That's the reason why it's bait. Satan uses it. He puts it before you because he is concerned not giving you what you want. You understand. He wants to give you the hook. So this is the scripture that I thought about. It says in James 1, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God is not going to do that. Verse 14, we know who does, right? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So when you take the bait, when you take the hook, there is a way for Satan to drag you away. What's he, who's he dragging you away from? God. And he wants you in his grasp, not because he cares for you and loves you. He wants to destroy your life. So he will use the bait with the hook. It always, bait always has a hook to drag you away from God. Verse 15 says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it is grown, it gives birth to death. That's the end result. That's the end game. 
You know, one thing about, one other thing uh, that I can say about this, and I know that there's some, there's probably half the fishermen out there that says, well, he's got his bait, it's too heavy, it's in the wrong place. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I rigged it up for this reason for a point. Another thing that this reminds me of is that Satan will use weight for you to take the bait. The weight puts the bait right in the right place. Well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, the scripture says in Hebrews 12, 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so clean, cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. See, Satan uses the weight to get you to see the bait so you can take the bait. Well, what's, what's the weight? Oh, it can be a number of things. It can be discouragement. It can be worry. It can be fear. It can be just outright spiritual laziness. And he'll put that bait in place with the weight. He'll bring the weight to keep the bait in place. He wants you to take the bait. But we're not going to do it. Amen? We're going to learn his game, and we're going to be smart on temptation. Terry, thank you very much, brother. I'm going to give that back to you. And um, <laughs> when I was uh, a kid, well, I think it was Tim, my brother, back then in the sound booth. We were all on the bank fishing, and my cousin was there, and he went to cast his, his reel, and the hook grabbed my cousin's ear and literally almost ripped his ear off. sure most of us have been hooked ourselves so temptation this is the fourth one and i love this this is the good news temptation can be defeated you can have victory over temptation every time you can because jesus did you don't have to give in jesus has paid the price for you to have the strength he sent his holy spirit to give you help hebrews says this because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he, was able, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is your help by his spirit. 1 Corinthians says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So the excuse, well, the devil made me do it, doesn't work with God. God gives us a way out, and it's help through his spirit. So how do we win against sin? Let's learn some things that we can apply. I know this is not a shouting message. I, I get that. But this is a practical message. This is something you can use tomorrow and put it in your life, and I hope, hope we do. So how do we win against sin? We pray. Jesus said, pray that so you will not fall into temptation. In the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said this, pray this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we should pray, God, don't let me give in to temptation. Lord, don't let me be around temptation. There's some things we should pray that way. But with that prayer, there's some things that God expects us to do. We always have a part to play ourselves. Are you ready to play your part? So I want to give you some things to do now before temptation comes. Understand, temptation is coming. 
It's coming your way. It's custom made for you. It's something that will be attractive to you. Satan's already got it planned out. Paul talks about his schemes. He already knows maybe to use a weight to put the, the bait right before you. But understand, there's a hook. He wants to hook you to drag you away from God. I looked for a picture. There was really not a good, good picture that I could find. But I wanted to, I wanted to have, find a picture with Satan holding a rod and reel with the different kinds of bait on it. And he wants to drag you away from God. None of us are exempt. I know pastors who have been dragged away from God. I know people who I thought would never turn on God being dragged away from God. There are some things that God expects us to do. He will help you if we help ourselves. Amen? So these are some things we need to put into practice right now before temptation comes. I call them training tips to fight temptation. Training tips to fight temptation. Number one, the Bible tells us this is so important. You've got to guard your heart. Now, right now, you have to guard your heart. Proverbs says this, above all else. Yes, fast. Yes, do great things. Yes, come to church. These are so important. But don't forget, you've got to make this a priority. You've got to guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it, from your heart. So what does it mean to guard your heart? You set your heart toward God, and you keep any evil thing from getting into it. You guard your heart. You set your heart toward God. You set your heart to loving God, to pleasing God, to doing what he wants you to do, and you reject any kind of evil thing from getting in. Now, hear me. That sounds simple enough. Well, Pastor, how do you put that to practice? I think the reason why we, we don't guard our hearts sometimes is we just don't hate sin enough. I mean, well, sin is pleasurable, right? The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it gives birth to death. And our problem, though, is we just don't look past the temptation. And I'm telling you, if you'll put this to practice, it'll help you when temptation comes. It helped you to guard your heart. You got to look past the temptation. You got to look past that pleasure of sin. And God will help you to see it, the end result, which the destruction that it can cause. Romans 12 says this Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. We have to learn to hate. God is good. Everything good comes from God. Satan is sinful. Everything sinful comes from him. We have to understand that, that image of being dragged away from God. I want you to have that when you're tempted. That's the end result. You have to see past that temptation to guard your heart and learn to hate evil. If, if drinking is a temptation to you, you ought to hate it because of what it does to lives. You ought to hate it because of what it does to marriages and families and children. You ought to hate it. You have to learn to hate that because you see the end result. It's a hook for addiction. It wants to destroy you completely. If pornography is, is a, a bait for you, you have to understand it's not just looking at some pleasurable pictures. It's a hook of addiction. 
It desires to destroy your intimacy with your spouse. It desires to destroy your marriage. It wants to destroy your thought life. It wants to drag you away from God. You have to see sin for what it is, and we have to learn how to hate sin. Not hate the sinner, never, but hate sin. You have to look at the end result of that thing that's tempting you to see the possibilities. It, Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to drag you away from God. He'll use whatever he can to do it. And you have to love God, guard your heart, and hate that that is evil. For the love of God and for the love of your family, for your spouse, you've got to hate evil. How many of us have seen some kind of addiction destroy a family? Would you raise your hand? And, and do you think they thought about that at the very beginning? Do you think that they thought what it could grow into? It was, it was just a little hit. It was just a little sip at the beginning. They didn't think the end result. And that's for every sin that, we're, that, that may be tempting you. If you just think past it, think about what could happen. And when you do that, you'll learn to hate it. You'll learn to look at that and say, God, I love you so much. You've been so good to me. How can I give in to something like this? Don't just size it up. It's just, oh, that's just a little small thing. That's just, that's just what, what people do. That's just, it's bait. And bait has a hook every time. So we must learn to guard our hearts. Number two, let me give you another training tip. You've got to guard your thoughts. Temptation begins with a thought. This is where it begins. This is where it ends. Where it should end. Satan will tempt you with a thought. Corinthians says this, Paul says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought we take captive. Well, well Pastor, how do we do that? The Holy Spirit is going to help you. Is he helps me. We think about what we're thinking about. We don't just think thoughts that at, at random. We just don't receive all of the thoughts that come in our mind. I, I've, I've taught this before. Satan will put those thoughts in your mind just to see if you'll take hold of them. He'll give you some what ifs or maybe I could. And, and he wants you to ponder that. And, and he will tell you, you're just thinking about it. You're not hurting anyone. Do you know that you can sin in your thought life? Jesus said it. He said this. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, I was just thinking about things. I was just, it was just some thoughts. I, I'm not hurting anybody. It's not doing anything. I'm not acting on it. And Jesus said you've already committed adultery with her in your thought life. We have to control our thoughts. We can't just say, this is, not, this is not harming anyone. I can just think this way. I can, I can daydream. I can just fantasize about it. No. You have to protect your mind. So how do we do that? Romans tells us how we can do that. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. For, verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Well, Pastor, how do we do that? It begins with your heart. God, I point my heart toward you. Then it begins with your mind. Holy Spirit, help me. I want to renew my mind by your word. I want to renew my mind by this prayer time. And the Bible says that will renew our mind. And I want you to help me with these thoughts. I don't want these thoughts. And I know this is the way he does it with me. I thought to come in and, and it, man, it seems like it's my thought. It seems like it's a, it's a good thing to do. And my flesh sure wants it. But the Holy Spirit will say, watch out. He'll, he'll do something to get my attention with that thought. And at that point, I can go ahead and keep thinking that thought if I want to and suffer because of it. Or I can say, wait a minute, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That is not my thought, and I do not give in to that. That's the way it works. It works the same for every one of us. And we can stop temptation right here in our mind and cast it down, and we don't have to repent for something that we rebuked in Jesus' name. Amen? The Holy Spirit is so faithful to do that. We're going to pray before we leave here today that every one of us have that renewed mind by God that we can begin to start hearing from the Holy Spirit when those thoughts come in to begin with. To me, the Holy Spirit a lot of times talks to me like my mama talked to me. Boy, what are you doing? You can't be doing that. I think I've even had God tell me, boy, you lost your mind. It gets my attention. Whatever he wants to use to get my attention, he does it. And I'm so thankful for it. I need his help, and you do too. Amen? It is possible. It is possible to live with victory over temptation. You don't have to give in to it. So let me give you the last one. This one's so important. We're making it real practical today. Get rid of the opportunities Get rid of the opportunities. We all know the triggers that trap us. If you struggle with temptation to drink, hey, what about this? Don't go to the bar with your friends. <laughs> Everybody okay today? If you know they're going to gossip to you, don't answer the phone. Ooh, it's a good preacher. Pastor, come on, man. Go, boy. Preach on. There's some things that we know that we can do. If, if, if I know the show will, has nudity in it, I just don't watch it. And if it just keeps pulling me in, I may have to get a little extreme and get rid of the channel. And if that don't work, I may have to get rid of the device altogether. Is it important enough for me to live for God? Yes. To have victory in Christ. I can guarantee you, serving Jesus, having victory in Jesus is a lot more fun than being trapped by something like that. So there are things that the Holy Spirit will tell you to do to help you out. I'm so thankful for his help. To win against sin we must have a strong defense, yes, but we also have to have a strong offense. Maybe for some of us, that means we need to go home and pray, God, what's things in my house that's not pleasing to you? Maybe I need to look at, maybe I need to look at my channel listing and say, I don't need cable after all. 
What is it, God? What is the things in my house that are tripping me up? What are the things in my life that are causing me to so easily give in? God, just show me. The Holy Spirit will help you. I'm reminded about a time where uh, if you let your kids watch this little show, I'm not saying pray about it, but uh, and I, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit that when Nick was little, he watched Dora the Explorer. I hated that thing, man, I'm telling you. And I wasn't real crazy about him watching Dora anyway. But look, anyway, Patty would put it on and didn't see anything wrong with it. And she was in the kitchen, and Nick was probably about three years old, two or three. And Patty was in the kitchen. She did not even hear what was going on. She knew she said it, put, put it on door. Nick was watching it. The baby's quiet. Everybody's happy, right? And the Holy Spirit told her in the kitchen, you go look at what he's watching. And when she walked in the living room, obeying the Holy Spirit, she saw Dora on the TV screen casting a spell. And she said, baby, we don't watch Dora anymore. I'm just trying to tell you the Holy Spirit will give you discernment. He'll give you wisdom if your heart is there and you want really to serve the Lord. It's worth it for your house. It's worth to remove things that are obstacles out of your house. Would you stand with me? Now, I'm not saying go home and cut off doors. You pray about it yourself. The Lord will lead you. That pastor's preaching against Dora the Explorer. Is she even on anymore? I mean, I don't know. I actually, the wiggles were of the devil, I'm telling you. <laughs> I want my baby acting like that. No. <laughs> There's another time in our life where we prayed and we felt like that there were some movies in our house that we needed to get rid of. Now, I'm not going to tell you, I don't want you to fall under any kind of conviction about what God spoke to us, but these are things that would not be a problem for most. Well, Pastor, isn't that a little extreme? Did you have to do that? What if I get to heaven and God said, no, you really didn't have to, you didn't have to do that. I'm going to be okay. But what if I get to heaven and God says, you know, this is the one thing I hold against you. It's not worth it. There are things that I think in this room, many of us, there are some things that we allow ourselves to do that we at one time did not. This is not a condemning message. This is God loving on us and saying, this is not pleasing to me. And I'm telling you, if you'll do it my way, some things are going to line out. Some things are going to, you're going to, that joy is going to return to your life. And man, every one of us have to ask the Lord in our lifetime, God, is there things in my life? Are there things that I'm allowing? I see it all the time in my life. I say, ooh, how am I? And these are not sinful things, but they could be the weight that I'm just sort of allowing myself just a little bit here. And I understand it's not the best. It's not what I would have done, but it's just the, it's the times. No, it's not. It's my flesh warning what Satan's offering. And the Lord is so gracious that he will speak to our hearts.
if we ask him to. Ephesians says this, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose it. If it even looks like evil, I want to hate it. I want to be away from it. 1 Thessalonians says this, keep away from everything that even looks like sin. So I think it just comes down to this, how close are we getting to what looks like sin? Are we, do in our heart, because of our love for God, do we really have a hate for that that would drag us away? We should not hate the sin. It looks good. It looks pleasurable. But if we just think it through, the end result is like that fish, we're being dragged away with that hook. Is it worth that? And I think if you are really in your right mind, you would say, no, Pastor, it's not. And God is going to help us today. We're going to pray, every one of us, that there are some areas that we need to repent, we're going to repent. Amen? And maybe the Lord's going to put it in our heart. When you need to go get some stuff, you need to realign some stuff, maybe you need to distance yourself from some people. And I'm telling you, if you do, it's going to be wonderful. You're going to have this joy come back in your life again. You're going to have strength to live for God. Maybe we just need to unplug for some devices. You know, God will let you know. Now, every fisherman knows how to fish all day long without catching anything. Don't you, fishermen? And what do we say on those days? They just ain't biting. And it's time for us to give the reason, a reason for the devil to say, they just ain't biting. Amen. He just ain't biting that no more. i got to find some new bait. And he will. But come on, let's don't keep giving in to that old bait. Would you bow your head? Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Lord, I know this was a different kind of message, but Lord, how encouraging it was at the same time. You want us to have victory over sin. Victory over sin. You want us to, you don't want anything to be in our lives that would keep us from being close to you. Oh, God, that first of all, you would even want to be close to us. And you would show us anything that would try to keep us from being close to you. Thank you for that. And we repent. We repent. If you have something you just need to repent of, will you just raise your hand up to heaven? Lord, I repent of that. There's no shame here, y'all. It just means you want to be closer to God. I repent. I'm sorry, God. How many of you say, I, I, there's some bait that I'm giving into? Would you raise your hand? God, forgive me for giving into that bait. That, that bait, um, uh, Lord, I, I'm, excuse me, weight, that weight. You're giving into that weight. Would you raise your hand and say, God, forgive me? I know, I see it. I see it. Lord, would you forgive us? We're going to pray it all together. Would you look at me for just a moment? Quite a few raised our hands. But I know not to, not to condemn you, but I know there's many more that should have. And, and it's, this prayer we're going to pray is between you and the Lord. And I want you to pray it from your heart. And then after that, I'm going to pray a prayer that asking the Holy Spirit, I want you to agree with this, but asking the Holy Spirit to help you in your mind, to help you to see it as soon as it comes when you don't receive it. Y'all, there's an anointing there's an anointing for preaching. There's an anointing for worship. Praise God for that.
But there's an anointing for daily living for God. And it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. When he moves in your life, he's there to help you in every way. And he will if you want him to. So I'm going to ask the Lord to just let us be more aware of those triggers, those thoughts that Satan would put before us. But first, let's all pray the commitment prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm going to do my best to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads still bow just for a moment. What a wonderful, wonderful time. The Holy Spirit is in this room. I believe we have the attention of heaven. And I'm going to pray against temptation for you. But as we were praying that prayer, this thought that came, and I really believe it was from the Lord, that somebody believes you've done too much. That's a lie from Satan. You have not done too much. You will. You don't have to give in. I believe someone else, the, the devil would tell you, you can repent all you want, you're just going to go back to it. That's a lie from Satan. You don't have to keep giving in. That addiction can be broken in Jesus' name. It is broken. If you ask the Lord to set you free from that, he will right now. Lord, let it be done right now. As they ask you in their heart, set them free from that addiction. I rebuke, I break that addiction in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you would take authority in their life now, and I thank you for that. Now let's all pray, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to understand temptation, to see it when it comes, and to be able to rebuke that. Would you raise your hand straight up to heaven? Holy Spirit, we need you. Father, by your Spirit, we ask you to give us victory over temptation. Lord, I pray that anointing for daily living for every one of us, that you would fill us by your presence. Lord God, give us discernment. Let us see the enemy's schemes. When that thought comes in, help us to rebuke it. And Father, I thank you for victory over sin in Jesus' name. Come on, let's thank the Lord for it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, you live for the Lord, you just start doing it His way. I mean, you'll have to overcome his voice many times if you're going to give in to sin because he's going to be right there. I'm telling you, he will. Isn't he good to us? He is so good to us that we can live in freedom. Freedom over sin. All right. Uh, if you have youth, I think youth is uh, second Sunday. So it won't be next Sunday, but it'll be the Sunday after Movers, next Sunday we will have our movers meet up, our regular movers meet up at um, 9 o'clock. If, uh, if you're new here and you're like, what's a mover? Our movers are our volunteers. Our, our movers are our volunteers. They're the ones that get here to make coffee and to, and to do everything in this church uh, to make Sunday mornings just a good time to worship. And so thankful for them. And if you would like to become a member of this church and a mover, you can do all of that in about 30 minutes. We'll be having another date for you in November that, hey, I want to join this church and I'd like to be involved. We want you to. God's got a place for you. And we'll give you the dates on that as soon as that's set. But let's, let's, let me bless you. 
would you raise your hand straight up to heaven as we're dismissed today? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday. God bless you. <laughs>